0: Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. Fastest I've ever said my name three times, meeting all requirements. Anxious to talk to you about DeAndre Hopkins really shining. The kicker concerns again for the Titans and T.R. Tart on the verge of a breakout. I'm brought to you by Jaspers. Let's dive right in. DeAndre Hopkins, when he signed, some of us had concerns. Aging receivers haven't done that well with the Titans. There were some concerns about his willingness or availability to practice. All of that up until now has not panned out. They've slowed him down at times. He's had a day or two off. He comes into some practices late, as he did on Wednesday this week. But the guy looks... Phenomenal at times. Uh, he's super steady. He's setting the standard for the wide receivers that nobody else comes close to matching. He's he's you know a Hall of Fame caliber guy. Uh, he he carries the offense in stretches, um, and he's the best case scenario so far. A lot of time to go still before the opener. A lot of time to go still before he has the kind of stretches this team needs him to have to be the key to the passing offense going forward. But, um, you know, the two big questions about him were going to be inevitably his health and his ability to work during the week. So far, those haven't been questions at all. Meanwhile, around him, Traylon Burks, the number two guy, suffers a knee injury uh, in Minnesota joint practices as he goes to the ground, making a catch over the deep middle. And Kyle Phillips, the number three receiver, the slot receiver, suffers a knee injury on a, on a punt return in the game against Minnesota. Both of them are going to miss time. That probably spills into the regular season, leaving Hopkins surrounded by Chris Moore, Nick Westbrook-Akine, and some other guys that we don't really know much about and haven't done a lot to distinguish themselves. Now, Mike Herndon, who you know from PaulKuherski.com and his excellent Twitter account, says, you know, Hopkins with a couple of us is better than what the Titans had on the field at times last year, and he's not wrong. Um, He really isn't. Um, Last year on opening day, the Titans rolled out um, Robert Woods, he played 71% of the snaps against the Giants. NWI played 68%. Phillips, 48%. Burks, who was hardly the guy he wound up being towards the end of the season, 37%. And good old Cody Hollister played 12%. Um, I think you know, opening day is going to be Hopkins, Moore, NWI, and then we don't know. Um, We've got some guys battling it out. Um, But Hopkins has been everything you could hope for so far. Let me illustrate a little bit. And I don't mean this to pick on Colton Dow, who's a seventh-round pick out of UT Martin, and you don't expect much from at this stage. But at practice on Wednesday, there were two red zone plays where he actually – I think definitely the first throw was, was from Ryan Tannehill, and I think the second one as well. That shows you Dowell's moved up in the rotation out of necessity. But Ryan Tannehill on both occasions, from relative short distance in the red zone, whizzed balls to uh, Colton Dowell, who just did not have his head around, did not have his hands up in time to be able to handle what Ryan Tannehill was giving him. And this showed the dramatic difference between somebody like Dowell, who I'd lump in with R- R- Roberson and Harrison um, and maybe Kiaris Jackson hot passes over the middle, like, like these from Hannah Tannehill are just too quick for some of these guys to be able to handle. Meanwhile, similar throws to Hopkins caught with no, no hint of any problem whatsoever. Uh, effortlessly and and that's obviously what what you're looking for so um you know i'm not picking on Dowell there again and he'll get to a place where he can handle those balls ryan tannehill talked about the growing connection that he feels with his uh number one target i spliced together two clips here
1: yeah i like i like spending time with him you know i think that's one thing that you know you never really know how someone is going to be personally personally uh how that communication, how that relationship is going to go. Obviously, you know, saw his game from afar and, and respected his game as a fan of his game from afar for, for a long time now. But um, you never really know how someone's going to be um, when you're in the same building in the same room together. So enjoyed getting to know him and spending some time with him. Uh, obviously, you know the, the plays I've seen him make for the last whatever 10 years, uh, the same ones that I have seen him making now. You know, just with his body control, understanding, you know, how to use his length and his his size to uh, to create some space and get itself open and then just being able to, to trust him, knowing you know he's gonna uh, he's gonna either make the play in tight coverage or, or nobody is so uh, that's been fun for me just getting to know his body language how he moves how he you know, comes in and out of routes and then just being able to trust them was there a, was there a point it just it wasn't like a, a tipping point but it was just you know it's been growth throughout throughout our time together you know I think even early on, I think maybe the first pass I threw to him was tight coverage on a, on a go ball down the field and, gave game a shot, uh, kind of high ball. And then he went up and got it. And so it wasn't like I never trusted, you know, I kind of like knew what it was coming in that, that you know, you have to be able to, to throw into tight windows with him and, um, uh, trust him to go, to go make the plays. Now we have the reps kind of stacked up now where I've seen him make it. I've, I've been able to put those balls in, in spots where he's been able to get them. So, um, you know, excited about where he's at and where he can go moving forward.
0: I couldn't feel better about Hopkins right now. I feel pretty good about Chris Moore, better than I ever anticipated I would. don't want to read too much into training camp, but uh, he is a veteran at least. NWI's had a bad camp, still dropping a ball of practice. He made a nice catch on uh, Wednesday in the back of the end zone, leaping and snatching it out of the air. It came down out of bounds, though but I wonder if a catch like that might help get his confidence going um, in the midst of all of these drops. I don't think he dropped one on Wednesday. I definitely dropped one on, on Tuesday. Um, The guys behind this group, I, I like Reggie Roberson the best, but really there's not been anything that's broken anybody out of the pack here. Um, Roberson and Harrison were next in line in the game. Kiaris Jackson hurt his knee, um, missed a day, was back Wednesday. I wrote about Mason Kinsey at the site. It's now or never for him, but people who are thinking, you know, there's got to be a slot for a slot substitution um, are making a mistake there. Phillips went down last year for all but four games, and the Titans were perfectly content for Robert Woods to be in the slot a lot, for NWI to be in the slot a lot, for Traylon Burks even to take some time in in the slot. So I I think we could well see a mix of different people in the slot, including Hopkins, who excelled there in Tim Kelly's year when he was the non-play-calling offensive coordinator in Houston and they were together. Um, He was super productive in his slot snaps there. Um, I think Mason Kinsey is going to have a tough time. I think they really like him as a guy who can help them in practice, playing wide receiver and safety, which Vrabel talked about. You can see the specifics on those snaps if you read the story. Um, But I I think Kinsey just comes up short of being enough of a threat against NFL defenses to be a guy they'd want on the 53. Now, they could put him back on the practice squad, and call him up a couple times. They've called him up three times over the past two years. They threw one three yard pass to him. Um, and a lot of it depends on pass, I'm uh, on, sorry, on punt return, where Eric Gehrer, um, the cornerback who I think is going to make the back end of the roster, had two 11 yard returns in Minnesota and looked pretty good. Karis Jackson's a candidate for that job. Kinsey's a candidate for that job with Phillips out. So we'll see where they go, and Friday night should be a hint of that. Vrabel said we'll definitely see Kinsey get some chances at that. But DeAndre Hopkins right now, one of the very bright points on this team, keep them healthy between now and that trip to New Orleans for week one, and that's an area the Titans should be feeling really very good about things. Uh, Camp is officially over. As of Wednesday, the Titans will go into their more regular schedule after uh, they host the Patriots on Friday night. Um, and things will be less open for us to talk about as they'll start to uh, initiate some some plans and some work on, on the Saints specifically. Uh, the training camp sale at paulkuherski.com will remain in effect through the weekend. So if you've been hesitating... You get a good deal right now with the year's membership. Hop on over and sign up. Mike Herndon has a piece right now that you want to read about things he thinks about the Titans and things he knows. One of the things he thinks is that he's not changing his opinion of the Titans' starting offensive line based on 13 pass-blocking snaps and 15 run-blocking snaps in two preseason games against less-than-top-flight competition. Uh, and you're going to want to read that. Uh, I've got a piece from this week about Mason Kinsey um, and that do-or-die chance that I think awaits him, um, and and more to come. Uh, check it out. Blake Bettingfield will have a review after the New Orleans game, less than 24 hours after the New Orleans game, breaking down his scouting. Thoughts on what he liked, what he didn't like, um, and what he sees ahead for the Titans um, after after watching their third preseason game. He scattered the Titans for 19 years and brings a set of eyes to it that uh, that no one else has. Private broadcast chats with me are part of uh, of the membership where we have uh, good conversations without a lot of riffraff interrupting with uh, – with terrible questions or um, platforms. Titans are in a kicker concern situation again, and uh, you're going to be surprised, I think, by some of the things I'm going to tell you about their kicking history. So when the Titans got back to work after Minnesota, Caleb Shudak and Trey Wolf were gone. Um, and look, they practiced all right, but neither of them were, were great. In games, Shudak was on the field for one snap, uh, maybe a PAT in in Minnesota. Trey Wolf had a chance, hit hit a PAT off uh, an upright and threw another one that moved hard. They weren't able to set up any super uh, field goal chances for either of them. Um, And back is Michael Badgley. Um, a guy who didn't have a great appearance here a couple years ago and who may well not be the ultimate solution at this position where the Titans simply don't put enough emphasis on things. So his first day, (coughs) excuse me, on Tuesday, um, he took 10 kicks against no rush and he missed three, all to the right, 33, 43, 48. Then he missed from 45 in the two-minute period, but he got another chance because there was a penalty. He made from 32, and he made from 49 to end it. Not a great day at all. And then an odd quote where he said, no excuses, just got to make the kicks, but I'm not really going to sweat it over practice. Well, you better sweat it over practice. There's one preseason game for you to make a bigger impression in and, uh, you know, I don't know that you're going to end up with huge chances to 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 crush it. So um, practice is where you're going to have to secure this thing. If you secure this thing, Vrabel said, any kicker they bring in has to make uh, has to make them. And that Badgley quotes, "Got the next crack at it. I'm sure we'll look at other ones too." Hardly a ringing endorsement. Vrabel. A lot of times when they bring in guys during camp, basically calls them a body. Badgley's got to be more in the body right now because he's the only kicker on the roster. Um, But there are some who are going to come free. More on that in a little bit. The next day, indoors, Badgley hit 10 in a row, um, which is great. Then he missed from 53 and hit a 47-yarder during the two-minute period. Much, much better. But let's look at what this team has done over the last four years at kicker. And it started – with a super nonchalance by John Robinson and Mike Vrabel in 2019 when Ryan Suckup was coming back from a knee injury. So they took him off IR, and he was terrible, uh, IR or PUP or whatever it was, <coughs> started the season horribly. And they went to Cairo Santos, Cody Parkey, and Greg Joseph while they brought in Ryan Santoso. As a kickoff specialist who was not good at kickoffs, uh, they moved on from suck up after that year in part because of money, and he went on to steady years in Tampa Bay where he won a Super Bowl in 2022. Sam Sloman um, started off, and Stephen Gostkowski took over in 2021. Uh, I don't know that Sloman started off. Sorry, he was uh, he kicked. At some point during that season, and Gaskowski was the main guy. 2021, Michael Badgley, I believe, started off. Then Randy Bullock came in in 2022. uh, Randy Bullock, Caleb Shudak had uh, a chance, and Josh, Josh Lambeau. That is 10 different field goal kickers over the course of four seasons because of a mix of injuries and failures. Remember when fans used to mock... Uh, the front office because early in the free agent period, Floyd Reese and his uh, successors used to lock up specialists and people would bitch. Well, at least they got the punter sign. At least they got the kicker sign. At least they got the long snapper sign. Well, Titans used to place a priority on it. They used to make sure that they had their kickers and punters and long snappers signed, and didn't have to worry about that. I don't place that kind of priority on things anymore. Franchise went from Al Del Greco to Joe Nedney to Gary Anderson to Rob Baronis to Ryan Suckup. five guys in 26 years did the vast bulk of the kicking, if not all of it, then 10 guys in four years, five guys in 26 years, 10 guys in four. four years that Sam Ficken was in line to start 2021 as the kicker after beating out Tucker McCann in a camp battle before he suffered an injury the Friday before the opener that forced them to turn to Badgley. Everybody watching knew that the odds of Caleb Shudak or Trey Wolf winning the job, despite whatever they were doing in practice, were long, right? Right? And it almost felt a little bit like uh, the Ken Wisenhunt era, where um, I had a guy, I can't remember his name, competing for the spot who was from uh, Brazil, whose famous story was that he fell off a, uh, a Ferris wheel. But, I mean, Wisenhunt went... A week or 10 days without kicking or hardly kicking in practice and it was just like we're going to set the kicking thing off to the side over here and we'll get back to it later maybe when there's somebody that we can sign who could actually do the job wasn't quite that bad now since 2019 since they've had to go to these 10 kickers is actually um with with two chances, maybe 11 guys. They've been 74 for 103. That is 71.8%. 71.8% over the last four years. They've been um, 40 for 49 in the gold zone, the money zone that they say. 24, or sorry, sorry. Never mind. Take that back. Misspoke. In the gold zone, the money zone, what they call it, the 40 to 49 yard line, 24 for 42. That's 571. Actually, a touch better in 50 plus, 11 for 17. That's uh, 64.7%. That's largely because Gaskowski was seven for eight in 2020. So overall, 718 40 to 49, 57.1. 50 plus, 64.7. These are all poor numbers compared to what you would expect from a good kicking team. Points after, 176 for 185. That's nine misses for 95.1. I'll cut them a break there. Three of those were by short-term guys, Parker, Parky, Badgley, and Lambeau. Right now, I'll go back to May. I'm not saying that Brandon McManus is a a definite savior, and he was cut by Denver in May for money. He was 77.8% last year. Mile High Stadium uh, helped him 10 for 10 from 40 to 49, 8 for 13 from 50 plus. You can say mile high helps him because he's kicking in altitude but he was uh, 72% at home, 83% on the road. Wasn't just Denver aid. And his numbers uh, outdoor and away were fine. Uh, Now, he's not a guaranteed savior, but the Jaguars signed him. So he's in the division, $2 million investment, not, not terrible by any means. Uh, it's somewhat random year-to-year, year, right, with a kicker. Analytics say that, like you can't bank on it. Uh, f- bringing fantasy football into some stuff is, is crazy, but the reason that you don't draft a kicker until the very end is because the difference between the best kicker, even Justin Tucker, and the the 12th best kicker if you're in a 12-team league is not very extreme in terms of affecting your your result. Um, it's analytics that it's it's uh, a va- the variance year to year for a guy who's not Justin Tucker is can be you know pretty unpredictable and the Titans haven't bought into analytics in a big way, but it seems like they've bought into this with the kickers. I will say this, Matt Gay, the last two years with the Rams, hit at uh, almost 94%. He did not miss under 40 at all. He was 11 for 14 from 40 to 49. And um, I wrote down the wrong numbers here because I have him for 11 for 14 from 50 plus. But I think he was he's a pretty good kicker. He was the best guy that was a free agent. Indy missed seven field goals last year. And they went and signed Matt Gay as an undrafted, uh, I'm sorry, as an unrestricted free agent. They went and signed Matt Gay, 5.6 million dollars a year for four years. Now that's a steep price for a kicker, but the Colts decided, hey, we're going to get a guy that we believe is money, and we're not going to have any doubts about our field goals. And that's when they weren't that bad last year. They were worse the year before and the year before that. Titans go into the season with the worst kicking situation in the division, no matter who they bring aboard. McManus in Jacksonville, Gay in Indianapolis, and Kaimi Fairburn in Houston, all steadier situations. There are still two kickers on plenty of rosters around the league. I would look for the losers of the battles with the Los Angeles Chargers, with the New England Patriots, and with the Detroit Lions to be potential candidates to replace Michael Badgley in Nashville. Um, I think that's one thing the Titans lose. They probably would have seen both of those kickers for New England um, in two days of joint practices, which were canceled. Don't know how the Patriots will deploy those guys on Friday night at Nissan Stadium, but keep an eye on the two of them uh, during warmups and beyond. The Titans need to keep an eye on every available kicker. Michael Badgley does not instill a lot of confidence in me. So who knows? A lot of these guys who bounce around ultimately find a home and do well. Rob Baronis had bounced around, and when he got to Nashville, he settled in, and he's one of those five guys over 26 years that made the Oilers slash Titans a solid, dependable, kicking and special teams team, something they have not been close to being in the last four years. I'm brought to you by Jasper's. You see their logo over my shoulder over there. Uh, it's a great restaurant and bar downtown Nashville, right off of the interstate uh, off of 40 there where 65 and 40 kind of come together. Um, uh, take the Broadway exit, head head up West end and you'll find uh Great bolognese, great Cuban sandwich, my two favorite dishes. Free game room where you can play Papa shot and air hockey and stuff like that while you're uh, waiting for your food. Great cocktail selection, great beer, free parking, a huge bonus. Um, it's a perfect place for a business lunch or a date night or uh, a boy's night or a ladies night. Uh, super versatile restaurant, good menu, reasonably priced. I can't recommend it highly enough. You need to stop by and check it out, be at lunch, be at dinner. Uh, After you go, tell your friends and uh, tell them I sent you. I appreciate your support of them just like I appreciate their support of me. Can't go wrong there. I promise you. Earlier, during the off season, I kind of told you uh, about some stuff I read. I read uh, a Springsteen book that was about Nebraska, and then the same guy had written earlier a book about Tom Petty, which I read. A bunch of you said you were going to pick that up. And so staying in the same vein of reading some rock and roll biographies, I read Bono's autobiography, which came out this year. And i got to tell you, the second half of this book was a slog first half, there was a lot about the recording sessions of a lot of the, the famous albums that we know. And I was interested in them getting off the ground as a band and touring and their management decisions they made for them, their relationships together and everything. And it was good. And I surely was interested in his life beyond the band and his activism. He did. Uh, Bono's done a, a lot of things with a lot of very interesting, uh, Charities and foundations and the like, but like the whole second half of the book was just bogged down. Like he never, I kept waiting. All right, well, when are we going to get back to the recording studio? When are we going to get back to the band? Just meeting with the the next world leader and meeting with the next president and meeting with the next um, health crisis leader and on and on and it's just uh, I, I thought it was really got cumbersome. And some nights when I opened the book, I uh, I was not as fired up to be in it as I am most of the time when I'm reading something. And uh, it was a little bit hard to finish, I have to admit. I'm glad I read it and I learned a lot about a band that I, I really like a lot. But I think he could have done uh, heavier rock and roll and a little bit lighter on um, the, uh, the non-stuff. But who am I to tell him how to tell the story? of uh, of his life. I guess that's uh, imagine that is what he would tell me. I don't recommend it as highly as I do Deliver Me From Nowhere, which was the the book about um, Nebraska or Petty, which was the book about Tom Petty. Tier Tart uh, I think is is a guy a lot of us believe can really do some damage for the Titans this year and is kind of a lesser known piece of the defense. The thing about Tier Tart is you know he's instrumental in base and he's gonna be a big run stopper in base, but how often are the Titans going to be in base defense? Teams know the Titans are a big run stopping team. I think teams are gonna to wanna to get the Titans spread out, run against them spread out, and uh, and try to to get them a little bit smaller. Um so I Tierre Tart has talked and and his coaches have talked all offseason about getting him chances as a pass rusher. He threw a punch in the second of the joint practices early on against Minnesota and that got him removed from that practice. And then Mike Vrabel said you can either work Thursday or you can work Saturday. And so they worked them Saturday. Tart played 33% of the overall defensive snaps. He had a tackle for a loss He had a quarterback hit. He had a pass defense, and he was just very disruptive overall. He looked like a starter playing against a bunch of non-starters should look. Um, I had a chance to ask him um, about the situation uh, ending up playing in the game and
2: some of what's ahead.
0: You played great Saturday night coach said kind of that was a trade-off for, for Thursday. Mm-hmm. How, how'd you feel about that whole? I
2: mean, I mean, I felt great. I mean, I wanted to play in the preseason anyway. You know, I, I really wanted to play there. I just wanted to get, get a good feel for the season. You know, it's always good to go out there and get some competitive competition other than your teammates. So, it was real good. It's real good to get the muscles flowing, the juices going, against and get the competitive nature sparked. Big T, your pass rush had
0: come so far. You feel like you're forcing them to, to use you in some situations
2: that maybe you haven't played in the past. I, I definitely just feel like uh, I just focused on developing it. You know, I got with Big T, and I got with Rabe, and uh, we just tried to find some emphasis on uh, the best ways for me to affect the quarterback. And uh, I think after you beat a couple people, man, they start acknowledging it, and you just they, they'll just give you more opportunities to go out there and put it on film put it on the field you see that highlight that was
0: out on, on
2: where'd that come from because uh, it looked like coaches film <laughs> i mean it's someone it's a move i've definitely been working on for a while but it's uh you know i mean i definitely got it a couple times on a couple players here here but yeah, it's, it's definitely a move that i've been working on and and i've been uh, i've been trying to perfect you know who put the film out nah no clue you happy they put the film out hey man uh easy you see all publicity is good publicity
0: all publicity is good publicity. Well, the publicity about throwing the punch wasn't really that good, but uh, he wound up the better for it. This move, if you haven't seen it, a hump move, where he just tossed a, uh, a a blocker aside and took off for the quarterback. Really, really impressive work. So Mike Vrabel said, you know, he's mentioned repeatedly that the way for Tart to be on the field more is for him to be better conditioned. And, uh, you know, I talked to him about it. Late in the practice week, and he said the kind of conditioning he's talking about isn't, is not doesn't come from him running on the side or being in the weight room. It comes from practice. Run a play, recover, get back in the huddle, get back to the line, run another play. And so the more Tart could string that together at practice, the better equipped he will be for what they're asking him to do um, in the season. Grable, Shane Bowen, Terrell Williams say they'll find snaps for Tart if he's rushing the passer well. Again, I think that spot in base can minimize his playing time against three wide sets that call for nickel. But the Titans are thin beyond Jeffrey Simmons and and Danico Autry and beyond Harold Landry and Arden Key. So I think if you throw Tart in there, you know, take that that front four that we all – know and love and think is a key to the defense. If you can throw Tart in there, Autry moves around a lot, right? He can play inside and he can play outside. Key can also play inside and outside. And and then Landry is, you know, a guy that moves around a lot. What if you consider Tart the fifth guy there? I mean he's not as flexible position-wise, but you put him inside next to Simmons, take two of those other guys and let them mess around and the third one can be out for a snap here and there and all of a sudden maybe you're looking at five guys for four spots it's hard to take landry off who who plays a ton of snaps when he's able and there's no indication that he's not going to be able it'll be hard i think to take to, to take key off and hard to take archie off but you're not going to be able to have them all on the field all the time and to me Tart is is could be the extra guy in the in the pass rush, if he's able to to be more than a a run stuffing nose type, and I think he's ready to be more than a nose, uh, run stuffing type. If he stays healthy and fit, that four million dollar tender that he got is going to multiply itself next year here or somewhere, and uh, you know I've heard a lot of people talking about it already if it gets the money somewhere else, people are going to be like TR tear tart. Who's that? Well, guys like that emerge every year. Um, and, and it'll be his turn and he'll be worth it. Three notes prediction from me. Uh, J Spears is going to get more carries than we expect and fewer catches. But, uh, and Herndon talks about this in the piece I mentioned earlier, this guy, Gets from zero to 60 very quickly, and they got to find ways to use them. How they work that with Derrick Henry is to be determined, but they're going to figure something out there. They've got to get the ball in his hands. Racy McMath got eight snaps on offense um, in the Minnesota game. I think it's the lowest number on the team. Not a good sign at all for a guy in competition at the position his practice game has not sharpened and the quarterback who threw him the threw to him the most on Wednesday was the rookie third string quarterback. So that tells you where he is in the pecking order. It's a big upset to me and a lot of people who are watching this team closely. If Racy McMath makes the roster and that's a real indictment as to what he's done with the opportunity, because as I said, Nobody from the back end of this receiver position is really stepping forward to grab receiver five or receiver six. And there's probably a receiver six now based on based on the injuries, to, at least for opening day. On the other side of the football, the telling snap count was probably Stephen Jones Jr. Uh, he made a little bit of a noise uh, in the spring and summer at OTAs and the like. The cornerback. But he had nine snaps on D, one on special teams. Eric Guerrer, Armani Marsh, and Anthony Kendall have all gone well past him, I think. And I, I wouldn't expect to see him around. I think all three of those guys are around, at least on the practice squad. And Gehrer is uh, looking good for the roster in my eyes. Feisty tackler, a determined player. And pretty good punt returner from what we've seen. I want to see more Friday night. Averaged 11 yards. If you can get a first down out of uh, out of every time you catch a punt, that's a bonus. E- even the Titans people who run special teams recognize that as a good thing. It might be too much. It might be too much for Craig Ockerman. He might be saying, "Hey, we want you to fair catch. Stay back. We don't want we don't want gains." I'm brought to you by Jaspers. I encourage you to check them out. I appreciate you listening. Please, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, click the thumbs up and subscribe. Um, If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, please subscribe. I appreciate your uh, being a part of things. Please go subscribe to paulkuherski.com while it's on sale. Don't block the box and be sure, please, please to lock your locks.